Mr. Chair, like just one seconds, moment. Ten seconds, go. I have never seen anything like this in my life. And I've got to tell you, today is one day out of 13 years being involved with the legislature. I'm ashamed to be a legislator. To treat a sitting fellow legislator like this in a public committee, which is actually a public execution, not a public committee, but uh, nonetheless, to spring a substitute bill on me in committee without me even knowing about it, seeing it, I, I just say shame on you. So much for civility and decorum and working together. If the Redcoats in the Wyoming House of Representatives know that a conservative bill will pass, they substitute their own leftist ideas in its place. And they'll disrespect anyone while doing it. We've got lots to do. Come on, let's go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. From high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the very snowy depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne. Well, good morning, my friends. I hope you're surviving Snowmageddon, February 22nd, 2023. Now, I'm constantly surprised that all of these people get worked up about giant snowstorms, and they forget that they live in Wyoming. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we have all four seasons, and sometimes in the same week. I remember when I was growing up, you know, it was not unusual to have two or three feet of snow on the ground. And before you ask, yes, we still had school, and it was possible for me to walk uphill both ways to school. Well, and then you would walk downhill for a ways. But I can still say it, I walked uphill both ways to school on occasion, and by choice. And there was another route you could take. But anyway, it's snowy outside, you live in Wyoming, congratulations, get over it. You would think, after a three-day weekend, that all of these legislator types down here would have been rested up, that they would have been able to reflect on all of their pronouncements about decorum and civility. It was just last Wednesday that they had a Republican caucus meeting, also known as a group therapy session, when all of the Redcoats charged that the Freedom Caucus was being mean to them and that they were not playing by the rules. In a manner that is beneath the behavior of high school girls, no offense to the ladies out there, they charged that the Freedom Caucus was not behaving, that this was just a family of legislators, and that we all have to get along and work together for the betterment of Wyoming. Really what they meant is that they're astonished that anyone would try to thwart any of their leftist plans, that we would try to reduce spending and increase the amount of freedom that Wyoming citizens can enjoy. They're baffled that anyone has principles and will stand by them, because many of the folks down here in Cheyenne can't spell the word principle, much less believe in them. 
Two days after their kumbaya moment, well, five days if you count the three-day weekend, they're back to business as usual. The Redcoats realize that even though they hold a very slim majority in the House, there is still a possibility of conservative legislation getting passed. And so they've had to pull out their book of underhanded tactics and dirty tricks and turn to Section 417, or thereabouts. The Wyoming legislature doesn't run their meetings on Robert's Rules of Order like the rest of the world. They use something similar called Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's fairly difficult for a regular John Q. public like you and I to get a copy of it because you have to be a legislator in order to order it. So that's why I say Section 417 or thereabouts, because I had to search the interwebs in order to find an older version of Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. But right around, somewhere around Section 417 is the discussion of substitute bills. In Robert's Rules, a substitute motion is a fairly complicated procedure, and oftentimes it's used as a hostile one. That is, someone brings a motion that you disagree with, and you use a substitute motion to completely change the meaning of the motion. More often than not, it turns out to be the exact opposite of what the motion was. In Mason's, the procedure is a little bit different and far less complicated. Typically, a substitute motion is used when a bill or measure has been amended over and over and over, and it just and the whole measure just needs to be cleaned up a little bit, so you substitute a whole new bill for the one that was amended. Usually, manuals of parliamentary procedure don't change all that much, though on in each successive edition, there are minor changes here or there. But the parliamentarian in me has to caution you that if you're running a meeting, either by Robert's Rules or by Mason's, you always want to use the current manual. That way you're sure to be following the most recent accepted procedure. But the big things don't change. To suspend the rules still takes a two-thirds majority. It takes a majority to pass a measure. And to appeal the decision of the chair, it also takes a majority. So the big things all stay the same. That being said, you're going to have to forgive me for using an older version of Mason's because it's horrendously expensive to buy one, and I'm not a legislator. So it'd be pretty difficult for me to get my hands on one anyway. Last week, I brought you the story of how the House Appropriations Committee used the substitution procedure in Mason's to completely change Representative Jeremy Haroldson's gun-free zones bill to make it into an enhanced concealed carry gun-free zone bill, or whatever it is that they were calling it. Here's what my old internet version of Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure says about substitute motions. Quote, When a measure is being considered by sections, a substitute for the entire measure cannot be moved until the sections have all been considered and the presiding officer has announced that the proposition is open to amendment. Even though an entire measure is substituted for another, it is necessary afterwards to vote on adopting the measure. Substitution is, and here's the important part, substitution is only a form of amendment and may be used so long as germane whenever amendments are in order. End quote. The word germane means that the substitute is relevant, appropriate, and in a natural and logical sequence to the subject matter of the original legislation. In other words, if something is germane, it doesn't change the original meaning of whatever it is that you're substituting or amending. Last week, I brought you the story of a substitute bill, Substitute X, that was used on 
Representative Jeremy Haraldson's gun-free zones bill. When that bill was in the Appropriations Committee, they substituted an entire bill to take a piece of legislation that would have eliminated gun-free zones and turned it into a bill that would have created a whole new type of concealed carry permit. Clearly, that was not the intent of Representative Haraldson's bill, and their substitute bill was in no way germane, according to Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. That move has been picked up by other House committees, namely the House Revenue Committee. We began the program with Senator Lynn Hutchings telling the House Revenue Committee what she thought of their substitute bill. That's basically the maneuver that they used, even though Representative Dan Zwanitzer just used a series of amendments to completely rewrite Senator Hutchings' bill. To the cow pie, in an article entitled, Fireworks in the Capitol, Hutchings Blasts House Revenue Committee for Changing Bill, written by Claire McFarland, and I quote, A Wyoming state senator said she was ashamed to be a legislator Tuesday after some of her House colleagues overhauled one of her proposed laws. Senator Hutchings of Cheyenne rebuked the House Revenue Committee after the many changes it made to Senate File 151, which proposes to compel prescription benefit managers, PBMs, to be more transparent. Skip a couple paragraphs. Quote, the bill lists several practices in which PBMs would not be allowed to engage if the bill passes. It is intended, Hutchings told the committee, to spare pharmacists an unequal contracting situation, giving PBMs the ability to cheat them. End quote. Well, that's putting it a little bit mildly. I've prepared a montage for you to show you exactly what the House Revenue Committee did to Senator Hutchings' bill. Now, before I play this for you, keep in mind that the House Revenue Committee, Representative Steve Harshman and Representative Dan Zwanitzer, didn't give Senator Hutchings a heads up that they wanted to amend her bill. They didn't try to work with Senator Hutchings to make the bill better. They didn't try to address any of their concerns with the good senator. Instead, they did this. And so for the health of the bill, at least for my vote, um, I'd like to remove all of page four for doing a page by page basis. And that would go through the top of line two on page five. So those Romanettes four, five, six, and seven. Correct. Is there a second? Second by Representative Oakley. Next page, yep. page four, page five. Page five, um, delete. It'd be Romanets nine. It'd be everything line 11 down. Um, we're on page six. Okay, Representative Um, So, Mr. Chairman, the, it would be a delete starting on line 16 after the word disputes all the way through line 20. Okay, Representative Strzok. Thank you, Chairman Harshman. I guess my question is, do we have anything left in here to protect our pharmacies when we get through? That's what I'm I'm feeling like we're is there anything left in okay, here? But let's that get we're back protect? on the amendment here on this bill here. Is there a is there a motion? Did you yeah, make a motion? Lead it all, Mr. Chairman. So the motion is uh, all would be all new language from lines eleven through um so you'd leave, and on page eight. You'd leave generic drug in place you can get rid of yeah. that cross out yeah leave the current language through line nine on page eight correct lines three um through line six on page 10 uh we move to delete everything line 11 uh through line 10 on page 10 page 12 
Representative Wanitzer. Um, I'd like to delete the new language on line six when it says similarly situated pharmacies in the state. I, I just don't know what that means. Okay, page 14. Representative Wanitzer. Mr. Chairman, I just move on. It's on page 13 and 14. It's on line 12 on page 13 and line two on page 14 to put it back to general funds. So you get the idea. They completely butchered her bill and substituted what they wanted to do. Now, while Representative Zwanitzer didn't say the word substitute, essentially, that's what he did. And he completely changed the entire intent of the bill. Instead of protecting small pharmacists and pharmacies, it further protected the monopoly that PBMs and insurance companies hold. Here's what Representative Strzok had to say about it. Representative Strzok. Thank you, Chairman Harshman. I think what really I learned a lot about this when I first got elected and what bothers me the most, PMMs are not just, sorry, thank you. So they're not just hurting our small pharmacies. They are actually hurting even Safeway. Um, they are, and we're going to end up totally being, having to call or make it all be over the internet or calling and it'll be mailed to us. If we don't calm them down and bring them back to some accountability, I still never got an answer to how someone that's a middleman is able to buy insurance companies was never answered that. So they're making money somewhere and they're not giving it back to our pharmacies. And I'm, it was not just our small town ones and maybe Safeway you look at as a small town one. But they're getting hurt as much of Walgreens is getting hurt. It is not just we're going to be totally mail in. And I don't know about you all, but when I go in and I have a child that's sick, and who do you talk to? You go to the pharmacy, you go to the pharmacist, and you say, what could I do? And if, you know, they give you stuff that's even over the counter, but they talk you through it. We are going to miss that. And I think that's where it is. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting the small town businesses. You're hurting our people in our small town. And you're hurting even Safeway. The only reason Safeway can keep it going, they sell food. And they're hoping when they keep that open, people will come in and buy other things, not just that. And our pharmacist in Douglas, one of them, they, they bring in gifts, you know, for birthdays and to keep their store going. And that's how they're able to keep it going. Sure. And I think that's what's I've... really bothering me. Do we have anything left in here to protect our pharmacies? And I don't mean just our Small town. I mean, Walgreens, Safeway. I don't know. That's all I well, would me, like an answer let to. Let me get back. Thank you. And I appreciate your comments on back on this amendment. And I'm just going to say we're closing the end of this bill. We're getting close to the end. Redcoat Steve Harshman won't have any talk of protecting small pharmacies because he's interested in killing the conservative piece of legislation. Here's what Senator Hutchings had to say in the committee hearing before they butchered her bill. Just wait until you hear what she had to say afterwards. But here's the first part. And Mr. Chairman, um, if you don't mind, it was just brought to my attention like maybe two minutes before I came in here that someone has brought a where is it? Brought a substitute bill. And that surprises me. Because well, be during the amendment process. Right. So, but it just surprises we'll me that that was brought about. And I just found out two minutes yeah. before this meeting. I always, Mr. Chair, when I'm going to amend someone's bill, either side, I go to the 
the sponsor of the bill and let them know what I'm planning to do. So okay. I'm just going to let you know, I find it very rude and disrespectful not to come to me, especially with a three day weekend to let me know that there was something. Okay. I'm going to miss. You. I think that's, I, we got it. And here's what she said afterwards. Mr. Chair, like just one seconds, moment. 10 seconds, go. I have never seen anything like this in my life. And I've got to tell you, today is one day out of 13 years being involved with the legislature. I'm ashamed to be a legislator. Stop. You're done. Yeah. Careful there. Called bicameralism. Okay, next bill. And boy, if I'd have known you're going to take that little cheap shot, you wouldn't add the mic. Redcoat former Speaker of the House Steve Harshman should be ashamed of himself, and so should Representative Dan Zwanitzer. They took Senator Hutchings' bill and they completely butchered it to make it into something that they wanted to do, something that wouldn't protect Wyoming citizens, but instead would protect pharmaceutical companies prescription benefit managers, and big insurance companies, all of it at the expense of small-town Wyoming pharmacies. Representative John Baer, also on the Revenue Committee, summed up exactly what Harshman and Zwanitzer were doing. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is on the amendment. You know, the comment was made that uh, we need to we need to stay out of the business uh, of these operators and and not affect the things that are going to affect pricing for our, our constituents. But these amendments, and this one in particular as well, they're removing protections against monopolies. And governments do protect against monopolies on a regular basis. That's my comment. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what they're doing. They're not looking out for Wyoming citizens. They're looking out for their own self-interest, whatever those may be. The end result, though, is they completely disrespected all of their constituents. They disrespected Senator Lynn Hutchings. If they wanted to run a bill, they should have done it themselves, instead of taking somebody else's hard work and putting it through the meat grinder, without telling them, without trying to work with them, and without paying them the slightest common courtesy. And they did all of it without the amendment even being germane. Even my old, outdated internet copy of Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure can tell you that. But our story doesn't end there. And I'll tell you about the rest of it after an obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena or a gigantic warehouse for your business, then you should call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction, and they can build you anything that you've been thinking about. So just call Nick and Jesse. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532 and tell them what you've got in mind and they'll handle all the details. So give them a call or check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. You ever notice that after a while, you just have to buy another gun? Yeah, me too. The first place I always go is Gunrunner Auctions. They're one of the nation's leading online auction houses, and they're celebrating their 24th year. And it's Wednesday, my friends, and you know what that means. 
Gun of the Week time from Gunrunner Auctions. This week, it's lot number 251. It's a Browning BAR synthetic in 300 win mag with a 24-inch fluted barrel. The barrel and the receiver have a 100% matte finish. It's got a dark gray synthetic stock, and the forearms are near 100%. It has a limb saver recoil pad, and it's fitted with a Leupold 3x9x50mm variable scope with clear optics and a duplex reticle. It includes two extra magazines. This is a superb all-weather hunting rifle. And it can be yours. It's lot number 251 at GunRunnerAuctions.com. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Bob Nicholas and you don't really understand what the word germane means, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, just like you should have been doing before you butchered all of those bills. And now, back to our program. But this wasn't the first time, nor was it the second. Yesterday, yet another committee used a substitution procedure to completely run another piece of legislation, a conservative piece of legislation, through the meat slicer. On the same day, it happened two more times in the House Appropriations Committee to two bills brought by Senator Bo Beitman. Both of them tried to get a handle on what is known as ESG. We've talked about it on the program before, but ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And to give you the short, short version of it, a lot of lenders are mandating that the people that they do business with follow environmental and social justice and government prescriptions in their business. In other words, if you don't follow what the government, what social justice warriors, and what environmental tree huggers tell you you have to do with your company, you're not going to get any financing. Essentially, what Senator Beitman's bill would do would mandate that any company that the state of Wyoming does business with would have to self-disclose if they discriminate against oil and gas companies or firearms manufacturers or any other type of business. And if they did, then the state of Wyoming would have to seek out another solution or another company to do business with. There was an out clause in the legislation that if there was only one company and that company engaged in ESG practices, then to the extent practicable, the state of Wyoming could do business with them and search for another solution down the road. The Appropriations Committee wasted everybody's time and that of Senator Beitman. They took two hours and 40 minutes worth of testimony, and then they summarily butchered the bill by instituting yet another substitute bill. Now, the reason why this one wasn't germane is it took a bill that would actually do something and substituted something that would do absolutely nothing. Here's what Senator Bo Beitman had to say when he found out that they were going to use a substitute bill on his piece of legislation. To say I'm disappointed is an understatement. Um, to treat a sitting fellow legislator like this in a public committee, which is actually a public execution, not a public committee, but uh, nonetheless, to spring a substitute bill on me in committee without me even knowing about it, seeing it, um, I, I just say shame on you. 
just vote it up or vote it down. But to do this after hearing all the testimony and to, to pull this on a, on a fellow legislator is it's not okay. That's not how we do business around here. I would certainly never do that to any one of you. Mr. And so that's all I have to say. I, I don't support this. Um, and if this were to pass, I'd ask that my name be taken off as a prime sponsor. Now, if that weren't bad enough, Senator Beitman had yet another ESG bill that would have complemented the first one. And they did the exact same thing to that one without telling him, without giving him a heads up, without asking for any of his input. Here's what he had to say about that one. Actually, Mr. Chairman, I was just going to say, seeing the will of the committee, I, what's the point of even hearing the next bill if you're going to do the same thing to it? So I, I is there a substitute bill for that one, too? There is. There is? There is. Okay, then I have nothing else to say. What these House committees are doing is absolutely inappropriate. First of all, they're being completely disrespectful to their fellow colleagues, the senators in the Wyoming Senate. But second, they're trying to accomplish their own goals using a parliamentary maneuver to overcome something that they couldn't accomplish legislation-wise. So they're taking conservative bills and they're substituting bills that do almost the exact opposite than the intended purpose of the original bill. Senator Beitman is correct. This is not how we do business in the great state of Wyoming. However, it is absolutely the way business is done in the 67th legislature. Wyoming citizens would do well to remember who is perpetrating all of this. In the Revenue Committee, it's former Redcoat Speaker of the House Steve Harshman, Ember Oakley, Dan Zwanitzer. On House Appropriations, it's Bob Nicholas, Lloyd Larson, Tom Walters, Trey Sherwood, Bill Henderson, Clark Stith, and Dave Zwanitzer. All of them should be ashamed of themselves. On a different note, it's not very often that beautiful things come out of the Wyoming legislature. But yesterday on the House floor, Representative Jeremy Haroldson's daughter, Elena, played her violin for everyone in attendance to listen to. We don't get to talk about things that are beautiful very often when it comes to the legislature. So today I'd like to leave you with Elena Haroldson playing her violin.
Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow during Thursday's live program beginning at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. But for now, from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.